0: You need places to present, right? They're not just going to fall out of the sky. You can't just go say, I'm going to create an event. Um, But you have contacts. You have friends. You have industry partners. You have colleagues. Go just get the reps, right? Just go put in the work. Do a lunch and learn. Show up at a chamber. Offer to do a weekly sales meeting for your buddy just to try out your content. But there's an old adage in the business that says, speak more to speak more. And when you're just starting out, that's what you have to do.
1: They're speakers, authors, and real life rock stars, bringing you life changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11.
2: Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir What's happening? What's up? <sighs> it's your favorite podcast, it's Thoughts That Rock mm-hmm. Where we uh, tackle a current um, point of interest or challenge And find incredible guests, and sometimes it's ourselves <laughs> And give incredible advice, and that's what we do And we are incredible. (laughs) Incredible. This is an incredible episode. I was looking at, uh, before we get
3: started, I was looking at our analytics to see if any countries had joined on to listen to Thoughts at Rock. And I didn't see any new ones this week, but I did see that there were two downloads in the Ukraine. Mm. And I have questions. Okay. I have questions. Like, what's going on in the country that you have time to sit back and listen to Thoughts at Rock? And which
2: episodes actually helped you in your time of need? Well if we had better analytics we could probably find that out but we don't <laughs> we're just going to guess at which one's listen folks things are held together around here by duct tape and scotch those are our those are our sponsors so uh, it is what it is around here tell them about this incredible episode and our incredible guest today's word it's incredible. incredible. Yes. yes. If you're drinking, if you're
3: playing the <laughs> drinking game. That's right. Yeah, it was about how to start a speaker business, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, you and I have had a couple of conversations, some sidebars, uh, just some episodes with just the two of us talking about that from our own perspective. But it was nice to have this guest on here who I was so excited Because um, it's Michelle Joyce, who is my speaker agent, Yes, who is one of my favorite people on this planet. She is so well-liked, well-known, well-recognized, has won a ton of awards. Mm -hmm. Uh, Forbes magazine listed her as a speaker industry expert. And when that happens, boom, the the sky's the limit. She's the shiz, as the kids say. She is, and I'm not sure I know what that means, but... (laughs) She, you know, I, I will say this too, in addition to just her authenticity in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, I really, really just respect her for being able to carve out a great family life as well. She spends yep. a lot of time with her kids and her husband and they, they take trips and uh, and do stuff together. I mean, just when you talk about work-life balance yep. and believe me, I am thrilled that she works like crazy on my behalf to get speaking engagements <laughs> and and her 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 speaker management company this exclusive group of, of people that represent, I think there's nine or 10 speakers in her stable means a lot to me, but the fact that she can carve out time to spend time with her family is, is awesome. And I know that you've known her for a while. We had a lot of
2: fun on this episode, a lot
3: of laughs too, right?
2: Yeah. She's amazing. She's a wealth of knowledge. She's cute as a button. It's all of the things sort of wrapped up that, uh, make her uh, as successful as she's been. She's just, always always trying to add value with with zero expectation and that is uh I think her calling card and that makes two of us that are going to be cute as a button on this episode <laughs> well jim there's hope for
3: you yet
1: hmm. <laughs> Let's do this.
2: boom there she is my boss is in the house.
1: Yes,
3: <laughs> the I person guys. who
2: keeps Jim's life <laughs> in somewhat of an order. Yes, yes. <laughs> I
3: usually refer to you as that whenever you're around. But uh, now that my actual boss is here, I'm chaos. I actually, yes, <laughs> that's the I have to proper up. Ah, yes. oh, Michelle, it's so good to see you.
0: Thank in you person. for having me.
3: Yeah, this is fantastic. I know we were reading off your. Uh, your bio there in the intro, but it's awesome to know that we have Forbes's speaker industry expert. Uh-huh. And uh,
2: I actually know this person. This person's <laughs> cool. She's great hair. Doesn't her hair look amazing yeah. today? Low, low think, lights and highlights. We really appreciate good hair around here. <laughs> I, mean, <too. laughs>
3: I think we should do an episode on just hair. hair we should products. We should. Did you notice I said low lights? I know what low lights are. Oh, <laughs> stop, stop it. All right. We're saying too much.
2: Frosted tips. That's Michelle. His, that's his other red <laughs> How are you? That's right. That's a cereal he eats. Frosted tips every morning.
0: <laughs> yeah. He he raises the bar every time I yes. see him with that hair.
2: That he does. He raises the hairline <laughs> yeah. is what he's doing. He's, try, he's trying to hit that six foot. You know yes. what I mean? He's just got to keep it up there. <laughs> That's
3: right. So as we mentioned in the intro, uh, Michelle is my agent, my my director of events. She makes things happen. And uh, I'm just so grateful for you. And I think Brant and I were talking about this anyway. We constantly have a lot of our friends who are not necessarily in the speaker business, although most of our friends are now speakers and authors and, and musicians, a lot of your friends as well. But we do have people asking us, how do you Become a speaker, or how do I get my my name out there? Is it you just hustling? Are you just driving around and and going to conferences? And there is probably some of that initially starting off, but then you wind up doing some things with speaker bureaus. But really, the creme de la creme is if you can find somebody who is, I would say, hunting on your behalf and uh, and, and is really putting in the hard work, which I know you do, just constant conversations, and you've got other speakers in your stable. Which I'm sure we could talk about. It's the perfect scenario, and and both Brant and I um, are lucky enough to have agents. And uh, so you've just been a great friend to me the last couple of years, and and really helping put a few uh, dollars in the coffers, I like to say. So <laughs> thank you for that. But we couldn't think of anybody that would be better to really talk about this topic, which was how to start a speaker business. And so you know, we probably have people I would guess um, who are just interested. You know, they're not going to become speakers, but for sure, whenever we talk about anything speaking, our audience tends to gravitate to it. It's some of the most well-listened to episodes. So I think you're gonna have a lot of our audience's ears. So we're just gonna turn everything right over to you. Let's start with what is your first thought that rocks on how to start a speaker business?
0: Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this subject because it's literally my favorite subject on the planet. I This is my world. Um, Next to I, charcuterie
3: boards. It was hard, it was She's hard- very good at that too. What'd yes. you say? Next to charcuterie boards. You're Next good to, at
0: I am really yes. good at charcuteries.
1: Yes.
0: yes. And I, I told Jim earlier, very hard for me to narrow it down to three big thoughts that rock, but here we go. My very first one is if you want to become a speaker, you have to claim your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. And I use the word claim on purpose because Don't just identify it. I want you to claim it. I want you to grab it. And I want it to be really easy for people to understand what it is you speak on and what your area of expertise is. And then make sure that's known, right? Mm -hmm. So putting out great content, making sure that that's all over your website, writing articles on it, blogs on it, speaking about it from stage, but speaking about it on podcasts, You just want your topic and your area of expertise to eventually be synonymous with your name, right? Like, oh, that's that person or that's that person. So I think that's my first. You've got to start there, right? You have to truly understand what your area of expertise is.
3: So. Let me turn this over to you real quick. I know that you, you know, I think you have a lot of things in your background that's helped you out, but do you feel like when you first came out of the gate that you were probably able to do that? Cause you have shifted a little bit over the years
2: as well. Do you think you claimed your, your area of expertise? I think I have now. Um, but, but it's still, you know, I think when I first started, um, I was just pretty and can sing. Um, and that, uh, <laughs> that got me enough. That got me a few gigs. Mm. <laughs> and af- after that, <laughs> I had to figure stuff out. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so Michelle, here's the challenge. And I think and this has been a challenge, uh, for me up until just recently. And honestly, Sh- Shannon Downey, who's my, uh, agent is helped with this as well. Uh, so I have my area of expertise. However, if that area is not one that people recognize, mm. then you have to sort of figure out how to claim your spot with regards to what it is. So for me, I would say that you know values, uh, especially after writing Black Sheep, values became my area of expertise, yeah. but you trying to sell values is a tough sell because mm. it touches honestly too many things to be specific and so it was like well is it values with regards to leadership is it values with regards to selling is it values with regards to to connecting is it you know there were so many points that even though values was my area of expertise it wasn't connecting to the the end user it was yeah. it was too Wide, Mm -hmm. yeah, Um, and so you know we've had to sort of land in the culture leadership area, and it's values based leadership. It's values based culture. It's you know trying to use values as the sort of identifier uh, that separates me from even from someone like Jim who mm-hmm. who is speaking even though we speak sort of in the same arena they're very different subjects and we're very different in the style of of presenting um, but it took a while to to be able to claim something that was going to make sense because what I found was even after I claimed values people are like oh well, I don't get it I don't, I don't get it. What, what does that mean? And then, you know, the other thing I think I'd be interested to hear your opinion on Michelle is, is when you have an area of expertise, you have to be careful how you claim it, because if you claim it from an area of negative perception, meaning that you want to hire me because your culture sucks, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, you want to hire me because I can amplify that culture. I can make that culture even better than what it is right now. I see a lot of people that that claim an approach from the negative area, and that doesn't lead to bookings. Like people it don't doesn't. want to have to admit they have a problem. They want to sort of strive for being better. Would you agree with that?
0: I would absolutely agree with that. It's like the equivalent of trying to sell you something you didn't know you needed because they identified, you know, that you were lacking it. It's just icky, right? Yeah. But let's go back real quick to, to you saying it took me a while to figure out really what that was and really what resonates mm-hmm. absolutely and and you should and it will. I think a lot of people who are just starting out in the speaking business, I think they think it's a lot easier than it than it really is, right like oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, they see the Ritz-Carlton's and they see the, the first class and what they don't see are the, are the best Westerns and the Motel Sixes in <laughs> Kansas City that everyone had to do initially. Right. Yes. They, yes. The most successful speakers I know, they hustle and they are constantly honing their craft and staying in touch with those medium planner needs. Right. Thank so you. when I hear you say like, I kind of had my area of expertise, but I wasn't really sure how it was hitting you continue to refine it and you yep. always should and and yep. you should continue to do so i think yep. the easier that you can make it for a medium planner to understand your topic your um what makes you uniquely qualified to speak on that right yep. that's when all those stars start to align
2: i think the other thing that you know at least from some of our other speaker friends that we have or at least early on, even several years ago, claiming that you're an expert in anything was sort of frowned upon. Um, It was like, you know what? Let somebody else call you an expert, but do not claim to be an expert. Mm -hmm. And I come from – the background, like, you're damn right. I'm an expert. That's yeah. why you're paying me what you're paying me for. <laughs> why would right. I not want to claim it? I want <laughs> to tell you that this is why you're hiring me and not Joe Blow, who can do the talk for 50 bucks in a Bud Light. You know, they, right. that's, that's ultimately the difference. But we saw that too in the, in the music business, you know, for when we travel, it's like you have the weekend warriors who will go down and play that venue for, for 50 bucks in a bar tab and you're trying to get a thousand or 1500 or $2,000 to go play that gig. And they're like, well, why would I do that when I can have these? And it's like, well, because we're good and they're not. Um, And, and, and you can't really say that, (laughs) but, but that is the same sort of thing in speaking. Yes. You could have somebody show up and do a gig for 500 bucks or as a freebie for, you know, all all of the uh, hand quote air quote, you know, publicity, PR, all that sort of stuff that everybody loves to throw. Exposure. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Every time I've been anything for exposures led to uh, mostly police um, at that point, (laughs) which is never a good thing. So, um, but the idea was that don't claim to be an expert. And we've sort of had to shift from that. I think even post COVID now to say, no, I I am an expert and this is why you want to hire us. Right. Well, i have I've actually learned a little bit of
3: this from Michelle. I think part of the claiming is you kind of have to stick your neck out and say those things. Like you said, I mean, I think every speaker to some degree has to be a little bit vain in that way. It's the one thing you kind of have to get over. I, I have never in my life claimed to be an expert. And I feel like I am in either training and development, probably now in culture, because I talk about it. I've written books about it. I've been doing it for 20 plus years. I would say I have expertise. I always, I I hate even using my title when I was at Hard Rock to sort of not have that, that, that power position over people. It was more of a, let me throw my arms around you and show you the way versus you have to do it this way or else. But I am a professional. I mean, this is what I do for a living. So when you get to that point that maybe other people calling you an expert. Like I was joking, you know, Michelle, when you first jumped on here, that Forbes said you're a speaker industry expert. Well, when other people start to give you the accolades, you kind of have to go, I I guess I am, you know, uh, I am an expert in this area because that's where you need people to, to, to book those gigs. So, you know, I, I go back and forth. I want to, I want to come and approach it from a humble standpoint, but from another it's the way that you get your foot in the door for people to really take you seriously and just having a book or just saying that you're a speaker isn't enough these days. So I'm with you. I think you kind of have to say that. I mean, I I sort of have moved into this space a little bit more. I've leaned into it because you've helped me uh, position myself that way. Is that still your feeling that you kind of have to use maybe that language or in creating all of this collateral, this content that you talk about, it positions you that way, whether you say it out loud or not.
0: Oh, listen, I think it's important to understand that my lens is the corporate meetings and events industry, right? So that's the people who are hiring speakers like you, putting you on a stage. They want experts. They don't want someone who maybe sort of knows a little bit about culture. They want someone who led Hard Rock for 20 some years, who won awards in the training department, who wants to know or who wants to share those ideas. Like you both are experts, right? Like if you weren't, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. But, but think about that from the audience perspective for just a second, right? Like they want an expert on stage to be telling them new ideas, ways that they can move the needle, needle in their business. They don't want someone who, you know, might've read a book on it and now is a really great speaker. That's not what the market is demanding.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, my other part that I was a little nervous about, too, I think when because of my background with that brand and because i had been speaking 10 years before I even left the company, you know, I felt like um, I could claim culture, organizational culture. How do you get people to either create it, maintain it, revolutionize it, amp it up, whatever language you want to use, whatever state the business was in? But, you know, and I think I maybe shared this with you before, Michelle, there was a speaker who I know that was on the circuit who had been doing this for a long time. And I was talking to some people um, who knew of this speaker who, when I brought up that person's name, they said, is he still doing that stuff? (laughs) Like, it was almost a, a negative slant. Like, he's still talking about the exact same thing. And I thought, uh oh, I've claimed culture. I've been talking about culture forever and I've shared this with you. The whole reason that I I not only have written multiple books on some some um, I guess key pillars within culture, so I'm still playing a little bit in that space, but now to branch out into service, into leadership, into employee engagement, into building teams, I've I've I had this fear factor of uh oh, I'm going to forever be known as this person, and I was, to be honest with you, putting out a lot of content, a lot of focus on culture. Well, now these other areas that I, I play in, um, I don't have as much of the content. I don't have as much of the collateral. In fact, you've been beat me over the head about getting a couple things to you um, and I need Both to do of us. that. <laughs> yeah. We're, Both that, of us. That's where we're a Michelle, little bit. Michelle,
2: I am with you. I've been pounding this guy for a friggin' speaker. <laughs> this is really
0: reel. an intervention, we're it, is. it is.
2: It is. <laughs> it is. It is. I am sending him. He's, he's going I'm off going to a away. cabin. He's going off to a cabin to get some, bleep done. I'm in a Thank river you. cabin for the next four yes. days, five days. Thank you. This. <laughs> Get it
3: done. So, so I guess my, my question uh, again to you would be before we wrap this thought up, you know, I was focusing on one thing. I was claiming that whether you call me an expert or not, where now I feel like I've, I've branched out. Maybe I'm not an expert in all of those areas, but I feel like when you put all that together, they're all subsets of organizational culture that I could say, I've still got significant experience. I I can still say I'm a professional in those areas as well. What, What are your thoughts on that now that I've got four or five different keynote topics?
0: Well, that's the key that they all go hand in hand, right? Because you didn't just go become an expert on a completely different topic that's off brand for you. I look at your speaking career and I say that it evolved, right? I'm an expert on culture. And what I learned by being an expert on culture is, wow, leadership is a key element of that. Employee experience is a key element of that. Attracting and maintaining a great team. You can't have a great culture if you don't have a great team. So It just evolved and I think that's important for any speaker to do you know like like Brant talked about earlier you have to constantly be evolving and you know nobody wants to hear the same program for 50 years because it's a different world right so you have to be in tune with what the market's going through you have to be in tune with what the needs of your audiences are culture has a lot of different variances in in the meeting space today yeah. So as long as you're in tune to that, and as long as you recognize that all of those topics are, are still tied together, that's your area of expertise. I also want to say, both of you sort of alluded to the fact earlier that like you want to stay humble. You can be an expert and still be humble. Mm-hmm. That has those are, those are two completely different things. But people want someone on the stage, that they're going to pay someone a lot of money to stand up and tell them what to do. They want an expert. So I would throw that word around all the time. In fact, I do. So,
2: And Michelle, I would say that Jim's the one who said he wanted to stay humble. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Between the two of us, see, 50% of us. See, uh, Michelle, if I worked with you as well, the difference here would be you're re- trying to pull him out from his humbleness. And me, you'd be stomping on my swagger saying, settle down. Yeah.
0: Never. I love swagger.
2: true. true. <laughs> My next
3: keynote: White Lamb Values. I don't know how you feel about that. Well,
2: you know, not well.
3: That's right. All right, give us uh, give, give us your second thought. That rocks.
0: All right, my second one is is the meaty one. You guys, you have to have really great speaker assets. So let me preface that a little bit by saying meeting planners have a very, very stressful job. And our job is to eliminate risk for them and give them peace of mind, okay? So if they're looking for a leadership speaker for their event and they're comparing five to 10 speakers, they don't have the time to travel the country and view all of those people in person, right? So you have to have a great demo video. You have to have a video that shows that meeting planner what you can deliver on stage. yeah, And I mean, show them all of it. Don't just cherry pick the good one-liners that you know that are gonna get a laugh because they're savvy and they're smart and they know that, right? They want yeah. to see how your message resonates with an audience and they, wanna, they want a longer version of that, right? Like that's a great line, but what's the impact of it? What comes next? Yeah, Your, your job is to make it easy for them to book you. And so great program descriptions, a great bio, everything in one place, right? A great website that has everything at their fingertips. But that is probably the number one thing that I think speakers today lack is they just make it difficult to work with them.
3: Yeah. So we get, uh, again, we did an episode where we were talking a little bit about some of the collateral and it's funny because we'll list the five or six things. And and there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into almost all of it. Yeah. And usually that's the stopgap when they're like, oh, I want to be a speaker. You go, okay, here's the six things. And they're like, oh, I got to do all that. Yeah. But the number one, we've said this over and over and over is video. Mm -hmm. I, I know. I mean, you will attest to it. There people are making decisions off of that video. They want to be able to go Yep. He's my guy or she's my girl. I can clearly see them in front of my people or Nope. There's no way in hell that they I'm going to put them in front of, one way or another, yep. but there's no dancing around the headshots, the bio, the website, all of that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that stuff. But boy, video is absolutely King in, in our world.
2: Yeah. I, you know, first of all, my 14 year old boy inside has to get over Nice speaker assets um, sounds just wrong on <laughs> yes. so many levels, um, but uh, <laughs> Jim, it's I, the I like your Jim's got <laughs> some. You've got quite some speaker assets. Yes, I do. Yes, you do. Um, the uh, you know the I think the thing that has really sort of um, made me want to up my game when it comes to some of this stuff is if you want to be a thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar speaker you have to look like a 30, 40, $50,000 speaker. Mm-hmm. They don't have a crappy speaker reel. They don't right. have a poorly lit. Um, I'm standing in front of eight people at the boys club. <laughs> um, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it looks fantastic. And and what it's doing is mitigating the risk. Right. It is lowering the risk for someone to go, yes. Mm-hmm. And we look at someone like, you know, uh, Cassandra Worthy's, uh, a a good friend and part of my sort of mastermind group of, of speakers that I have. And um, you know, she went from like 10 K to 50 K in a year and it's because Mm -hmm. she's worth it. And Mm -hmm. it looks like it and her websites, phenomenal and her assets that she has of what she can do from a consulting side and what comes next. And it's, it's so sort of walks you by the hand from start to finish that, yeah, of course she is, and that that's sort of the only reaction somebody has, as opposed to going to your website, going, "Is this nineteen ninety three? What what is happening right now?" You know, it just yeah. it, it is a very, um, in, in a lot of ways, superficial uh, part of the business is you have to look like you are worth the money you are asking, mm-hmm. and until you get to that level, you shouldn't expect to be paid at that level because you are asking people to take too much of a risk. Yeah. I agree.
3: yeah. And I think that video can kind of help speak for you. So you talk about, you know, Michelle, I think I could be humble in, in a, a lot of ways, but maybe just to be able to get my foot in the door for us to get them into the candy store, because mm-hmm. we know they're going to buy once they're in there. The video can do that on your behalf. So it goes back to your first thought, which mm-hmm. is to claim, claim your expertise, you know, claim whatever that topic is. Well, a video can help you do that. And then you just bring the thunder when you're actually in front of people. So I agree. And I look at Clint Pulver's video. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Jay bears. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. There are people in our our wheelhouse, our stable as well. Allen Steins, Allen Stein's, I mean, These are yep. people that are putting in the time. They're certainly yeah. putting in the money. But just knowing that one speaking engagement pretty much funds the video. So. I, I know it has to get done for me
2: personally. That's something again that I'm going to work on. Hey, you're in the same boat. So mine is happening Monday, Michelle. I have it scheduled that I am recording my new speaker reel on Monday, and I keep telling him, "I'm just you know what? I'm just going to book the studio and force him to go." Is what I'm going to have to do. This is like your second or
3: third. I've never even done one. I do video clips.
2: Thank goodness. I, I'm so sorry, Michelle.
3: Look at what she's had to work with. Would you say 1993? Look at my website. It's still very good. But I know that if you had something to send out a demo reel with all this stuff, you'd be in a much better place. So I'm in. I'm in. I, 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 I know. I'm in.
0: Well, and that's, listen, that's a it, it's a real challenge, right? Like it's it's not super easy to go out tomorrow and produce a $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 demo video. It takes months. It takes footage. It takes right, the right lighting, the right audience, the right person. I mean, it, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. A couple of points on that. Um, Jim, you do a really great job of showing a variety of clips. So that would be that would be a key point for someone who doesn't have A twenty to thirty thousand dollars speaking video right now. Just show key points, right? Like rather than one video for you, we have multiple videos for you. So that's an option as well. I also like to tell people, you know, I joke that if someone calls me or if I can get them on the phone, right? Like I want them to fall in love with me long before they fall in love with the speaker, right? Like I love sales, I love connections, I love making those connections with people. However, hundreds of people are looking at your assets before they ever pick up the phone or fill in an intake form or reach out. Um, wow. Google sends them to your website or Joe Bob send them to your website, right? So Brant, you said superficial. I say first impression, right? Yeah. Like that, that yeah. is, your website in today's world is the first impression that sets the tone and the experience that that client is gonna have when they do say, I would like to learn more. If we are lucky enough to hear from them, it's because we did a great job on the website.
3: Yeah,
2: yep. And I like all eight of your websites; they're all (laughs) all great. So, listen, uh, this is, I think, is a is a challenge, right? Is and and I'm sure, Michelle, you have a few people on your roster that that might fall under this area. But when you're a creative, um, for all of the benefits that come with being a creative, uh, it is really hard to not want to constantly create, right? right. And so like to find your thing, <laughs> to stick with it for long enough so that people mm-hmm. can resonate with it before you're off creating the next new thing uh, is is a challenge for me. Anyways, it's a challenge for me. I am always wanting to create. In fact, I believe in, in you know, the future I'm trying to project as to what sort of the speaker, Realm is going to look for. I don't want one speaker reel. I think that's, I, I think it's too much for people. They need to be spoon fed, is what I've come to figure here. And for as smart as they are, they really want something very specific that has to do with what they are trying to to book you for. So I would rather have a speaker reel for every talk, and it's and it's hmm. specific to the talk. It is not just hey, look at me, I'm great. It's this is what this talks about. I'm the person who's going to deliver this, um, and hopefully, you enjoy my my delivery. But it's really this content that's going to to connect, right? And I think that for you know Jim and I approach things very differently. I think Jim approaches things as a as a former teacher who is trying to teach what he's doing. I approach it as a former entertainer who is trying to mm-hmm. keep your attention. And give you a few nuggets to take home that, that are really going to do. And so it's finding the balance and we we call it edutainment um, of what we do pretty much together anyways. Um, But, but I think there is a balance. You have to keep people engaged, but you have to give them enough meat that they feel like they got their money's worth too. But as long as the experience blows them away, if they remembered nothing, they're still walk away happy. And I, and I think that a lot of people forget that.
0: I agree with you. I also, I would say that I love the idea of multiple videos for multiple presentations. I would encourage you to still have one comprehensive video. It's okay to have all of them, right? Like you don't have to not have a comprehensive demo because you have the other ones. I think oftentimes people might not realize how these decisions are being made around the table. Meeting planner went and they sourced ten speakers and they narrowed it down to seven. And now they have to present present to a committee. And everyone's got a cup of coffee and you get one shot, right? Mm -hmm. I have one clip to present on each of these speakers, and then we'll learn. Then we'll um, dive in a little bit more. Here's an interesting fact too, which which kind of floored me when I learned it, is that people are more likely to eliminate people things that they don't like first rather than saying, Oh, I'm really attracted to that message. Or I, or that guy's really funny. So now they've got seven videos around a committee table and they're like, Nope, 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 Nope. Right. So now it's narrowed down to two or three and they're like, okay, well, what do I like about that? So it's interesting to me that the negative goes first, right? They eliminate yeah. first.
2: Yep.
3: That's I can't true. imagine, uh, Having to have five, six different versions of videos. I mean, I get what you're saying. And it's I know when we're, for me, I like, I just want, but that. so you've got that and you probably have enough B-roll stuff. You've got multiple videos that you could pull the clips you want to, whatever the narrative is in each one of those videos. It, it, I guess if we're talking about starting a speaker business, if I was, a, if I had a brand If somebody just told me you need to go and produce all of these assets and -hmm. the number one thing that's important is video Mm -hmm. and it's already a chicken or the egg issue, right? I'd like to have a video, but I don't hardly do any gigs. Now we're telling them, go go to the local YMCA, speak at church, go to the boys club. Like you said, yes to everything and videotape as much as you can. Well, nobody is doing it just on their iPhone. You you, you know, you got to spend the money and the time, right, to do video, maybe a two camera shoot. So now you're telling somebody it might be thousands of dollars to do multiple different things if you even have multiple talks. So maybe, may, maybe you're right. If you were a more experienced speaker, you're probably right. I know Sylvie. I mean, she's producing websites specific yeah. to, to industries. Yes, but but I think she's at a different level than probably somebody starting off. If we just had somebody who had a really well thought out video. That was probably, you know, inclusive of everything they're going to do. Just a little snippet where someone can go, "Yep" or nope. One of the two probably helps them out.
2: Well, yeah. I think too, that it's, it's, and Michelle, you can tell me if I'm smoking something here because I don't, in my head, at least how this works is that for, especially if you're trying to start off as a speaker, you're not going to have the incredible footage of you on a gargantuan stage that's right. that's done to the nines and there's a thousand people out there, you're just not going to have that. But what people want to make sure, at least in my head, is that you're not Cindy Brady you know, trying to name the capitals uh, (laughs) here of, you know, Cindy, you know, the answer, the red light, the red light, (laughs) you know, all all of the things from that episode of the Brady Bunch where she froze, (laughs) they want to make sure that you are good in front of a camera, right? If you Mm -hmm. can present to a camera and be engaging, you can present in front of an audience. I mean, there's no, you know, it's the same idea. And so I think that if you're just starting off, it's it would be better to spend the money to go and have something look great behind you, have a nice set where you're, where you're sort of telling ro- directly to the lens what it is you talk about, how you talk about it. It's better to have that than to have me speaking at the Lions Club at 7.30 in the morning. It's just that looks... I'm going, I'm not hiring that guy. That's ridiculous. But if you are engaging and it looks clean and professional and the bokeh effect is going on and everything is well lit and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm engaged. I feel like I'm watching an interview on 60 Minutes. Yes, I can deal with that. I like that. I can connect with that person as opposed to... Dimly lit. Somebody walking by with a box of dunks. You know, it's like, come on. It's, I don't want to see that in your reel. And I think people think that that's what they have to show is, is is some sort of deal. <laughs> I, it needs to look good. Maybe I'm just vain. That's it. No, I I, that's
0: listen, I agree with you, but I also think you know it comes in stages, right? So someone yes. who's just starting out. And, yes. and no, they're not going to have the giant stage speaking to a thousand people, but I would also argue that's probably not their target audience as well, True. right? They're True. probably looking for the 50 to 100 people yeah. um, that are looking for their message. Now, yeah. 10 years later, right? They yeah. might they might be on that, that giant stage and that's okay. I think anything that they can do that portrays to the meeting planner what they can deliver is great. You have to start somewhere. Some people just don't start, right? Like, just give me anything you have. When, you know, before I started my own agency, for the speaker that I worked with, we, we certified 20 speakers on his content. They didn't have assets at that time, right? We had to, we had to get anything that we could, and it can be done in a really nice way when you don't have those stages. Yes. Um, I'll also share, I love that you brought up about speaking in front of a video. Um, We have a few speakers on our roster who are those big name speakers, high fees, have the big demos, but they still have a video of themselves talking about each program on the landing page of that program on their website. And it's brilliant because it's like, watch my my demo video. But hey, up close and personal, let me tell you exactly what this program is about. And I I love that because then it becomes a commercial for the program.
3: I love it. We'll be right back after this message. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience and the inspiration it brings to our lives on the driving change podcast. We'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. All right, love it. All right, bring us home. What is your third thought that rocks?
0: All right, my third one is leverage your contacts and relationships. And this is equally important for new speakers as well as established speakers. Here's what I mean by that. If you are just starting out in the speaking business, you need places to present, right? They're not just gonna fall out of the sky. You can't just go say, I'm gonna create an event, Um, but you have contacts, you have friends, you have industry partners, you have colleagues, go just get the reps, right? Just go put in the work, do a lunch and learn, show up at a chamber, offer to do a weekly sales meeting for your buddy just to try out your content. But there's an old adage in the business that says, speak more to speak more. And when you're just starting out, That's what you have to do. But rather than trying to cold call or go find those things, just leverage the people that you already know and the people that love you and want to support you. If you are an experienced speaker, it's equally important. And this is where I think a lot of experienced speakers fall short is they think, well, I've made it, right? Now I just sort of sit back and let the gigs come to me. And that is not how it works. You have to let, you have to continue to make connections. You have to leverage your contacts on a regular basis. You have to stay in front of them with value because you just never know when that message is going to hit at the right time when they're talking about their next meeting. Yeah.
3: So I know starting off, you were talking about just getting your reps and getting enough practice in there. And and we've talked about this before too. If you are going to be doing the boys club and there's only eight people in the room, It can still be shot in a way I would spend the money to have somebody there with professional high definition quality video that they can zoom in on you that maybe they're not going to be getting any of the audience stuff in the background dimly lit. Yeah, it's, it's possible that you don't have the best lighting, but sometimes a lot of that video can do some correction to help out. But boy, you're also lucky when you start to do enough engagements that somebody in the room is going to be videotaping already on their own. And obviously, as experienced speakers, that's one of the first questions I ask. Are you videotaping? Because if they are, I want I want to copy that content. That's like yeah. liquid gold for all the reasons we're talking about. But um, I, I, I do believe that you know, you gotta, you gotta say yes to everything. And, um, you know, luckily I came from a big organization that already had people that, that knew of me enough that would say yes, or give me a chance to do some things, or I was already doing stuff on the side. It's probably different, you know, and I don't know, your network was different, but you had a big network, but just transition from being on the road as a rock and roll musician Mm -hmm into this this corporate america world if you will yeah um had to probably be a little bit different than what i went
2: through i would guess right well i leveraged you oh <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the truth have, have you squeezed <gasps> all mean, the blood out of i you mean, yet? technically hey. technically he volunteered uh but uh you know that's not where i was going but but, okay. but i mean the truth is that i wouldn't be where i am if you didn't walk me into kepler and introduce me to them and give me a chance to get in front of some of them and and speak for 10 minutes and just let them see who i am and what i'm about one of our speaker friends um yeah. And, yeah. and speaker and, bureaus yeah and and that led to going exclusive with them for you know a year and yeah. and then you know getting to where i am now but and even even with you know, where, where I am now and with Shannon doing all the stuff for me that came from a leveraging Robin Benacasa uh, and her relationship and, mm-hmm. and sort of having Robin open the door and and have a conversation with Shannon. And so you, I agree 100 percent. It works. It works straight through so at first you're leveraging relationships to get out and do the talks but then you're re- leveraging relationships to get in with the bureaus and then you're re- leveraging relationships to get in with the agents and that's that's sort of um, a, a just a great skill set to and, and I think sometimes people look at leveraging as being a negative thing and that's not that's not it at all no. it's yeah. it's
0: nurturing nurture them. no
2: and, and yeah. it's it's skipping through I mean if you've if you've done the work, and you've you've put in the time, then it's it's really helping them too because you're you're stopping them from having to comb through whatever they might be looking for to get that next speaker. I know that you stalked Michelle for for months and months I before did. you know before she agreed to finally take you on. And I don't know if it was you know at first it was like all right, leave me alone, and she was I like yeah. To- there was some yeah. mutual courting there for like a year. <laughs> that, that,
3: We were were exploring. (laughs) I I actually sent Michelle. Oh my God, I was just going to say it. Yeah, it was a digital uh, engagement announcement that uh, Jim Knight and Michelle Joy speakers (laughs) are formally engaged. Like, when can we put a ring on it? When can we announce it? I I don't think you were taking on any more speakers. You were like, but this guy's hounding me. I think you told your husband. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Great decision. Great decision. Yeah, but I, that digital image, I think, sealed the deal. It was so funny. And for a split second, Brant, I literally thought he had already sent it out. Like, he had made the <laughs> announcement. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my
3: God. I willed it into existence. No, but I think that, that you know, and maybe to turn this a little bit on, on to you, Michelle, I think one of the things that we have talked about before we made the leap from speaker bureaus into agents. mm mm-hmm. Is that the age? I mean, you're probably the most respected, well-known. Certainly, in my mind, the number one speaker uh-huh. agent yep. out there in the country. Truth. People, I, I cannot find, and believe me, we have looked hard find somebody who says something negative about you. It just doesn't <laughs> exist. It's no. so great. It's true. And and what's great even more than that, and it probably benefits me a lot, is your contacts and networks. Like if if you're gonna hit your Wagon to a speaker agent. You're putting all your marbles in and going. I'm, I'm exclusive with you. You better hope like heck they have a wide net out there in the industry, and and you certainly do because, you know, we we had opportunities to work with other people who, you know, w- were awesome people and they probably worked hard. But if they don't have the contacts, well then they're kind of hustling like I'm hustling. I can go on a website and look for <laughs> call for speakers at some event. Yeah. And, and who am I? I'm nobody. But when, you know, it's sort of like going on Shark Tank, you know, they're going to answer the phone call for one of the sharks. I think I think you're a shark. I think yeah. Michelle Joyce is one of the sharks. They're going to answer the phone. So um, I, I don't know. How, other than the fact that you have been working in the industry for a while, you had been working at, at Gittimer before you started you know jumped off and and we're doing your own thing. How did you develop as a speaker agent? I don't know if this connects to everybody else starting as a speaker, but it might give them some insight. How do you build that that network?
0: Yeah. I I think very genuinely, right? Like that's my best piece of advice. This is a relationship business. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of times that clients will call me for help and I don't have something that can fit their need, but that doesn't mean that at that moment, just because I can't help them, that their need goes away. So I'm constantly like, you know what, call my friends at Kepler or call Shannon or call yeah. someone else. Like it's just all about helping. And I have found that over time that comes back to me times 10. You know, it yeah. really does. You just you just have to be willing to to be a resource and help people. I will also say you also have to be willing to put in some really fantastic effective internal processes that allow you to stay on top of that. Um, Christina on my team is amazing, Jim, as you know, and she is constantly teeing up, reconnects with clients, right? Like we have a whole process where we are constantly getting back in front of people and not just in a salesy kind of way, but in a value kind of way. Like, here's a, here's a blog that we think might resonate with your company based on what we learned about you six months ago, mm-hmm. right? Like, how's that going? Here's some value, but we are constantly reconnecting and re-engaging with people. Yeah. And for us, I think it keeps us top of mind.
3: Yeah. I, I had a senior executive who left, um, hard rock, uh, probably about six, seven years ago. And, We were having a a, a cup of coffee and he said, you know, I'm out here now and he was unemployed and he was going to get another job and he did and even more, you know, responsibilities and higher pay and all that stuff. But at that time, he was sort of in limbo and he goes, you know, one thing that I was a little bit jealous of that I really admire and he was talking about me was the fact that you had networked, that you had joined organizations while you were working for a, a company. And again, it's different, I guess, if if you don't there's different paths to being a speaker. But I would think if you've got that background organizationally, you know, it probably, especially if you've got some expertise, if you've got a little bit more brand awareness, it helps get your foot in the door. But my his whole point was even if you didn't think you were going to be a speaker, you were starting to network and communicate and got yourself out there. He never did that. He might read a trade publication, but I was reading boring business books. You know, we didn't have podcasts back then. I probably would have been doing that. I was watching videos, but I was going to conferences all the time and I was volunteering to speak. And I knew at some point that I would want to do that, that that was going to be somewhat of a future for me. And I guess maybe some, um, advice along with your point about leveraging your contacts and your networks is start now, e- even if you're not a hundred percent sure, maybe you don't even know what your topic is. You don't know what your, your field of expertise, start developing those genuine relationships, like you said, because it's going to help you in the long run where this guy, he, he had nowhere to go. He just said, I-, I am flat out there all by myself. I have no network to call. Maybe I was going back to you again. You've got You've got musicians. I know you worked even before that in, the, in some collection agencies and some other stuff, but what would you say your network, your, 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 I don't know, your contacts, who would those have been when you decided to make the leap? And again, don't, don't, don't point to me, but I mean, what, well, I think, where was your net thrown?
2: So for me, sort of coming off the stage and, and working with banding people together, yeah. um, you know, so, so we have a buddy that started a, what started off as sort of a team building deal where they would write songs with companies. They'd sort of mm-hmm. come in and teach them about collaboration, use songwriting as the tool, and then we would break them up into bands. They would all write original songs and we'd take those songs back and record them in the studio and then they'd oh, send them cool. back to them so they oh, they get right. sort of this ending that's amazing. Um, but all of those sort of events where I was meeting people and getting a chance to present in front of them and doing all those things led to people asking, you know what else do you do or is is you know what's all this is, is available and you just sort of get into that part but but I think that you know uh, was Andrew Davis, Michael Port, they wrote a book called The Bookable Speaker yep. um, and and it is this idea that, you're constantly trying to, to find that referral, right? And whether that's you're just meeting somebody for the first time, you know, for me, and I think going back to what I think Michelle does better than anybody is, is adding value and, and it's adding value without expectation, I think is. Is the more accurate thing because mm-hmm. you don't, you're not expecting anything from it. You're doing it because it's who you are, and and I love that about you. Um, mm-hmm. All the posts that you put out, you you see me hearting them and loving them because I, I know that you have zero expectation except for adding value, and that is a rare um, asset these days. Uh, everybody's looking for something, and so um, the fact that you do that, I think, is why you've been one of the reasons why you've been so successful is because it's altruistic and, and, you know, we have, um, this idea is, is the idea that even with Jim talks a lot about philanthropy and that sort of thing, it's, if you're doing it for the right reasons, it's going to be fine. If you don't is when it it starts to really show through. Awesome. Good, good, good stuff.
3: And I know when I was first talking to uh, Michelle about being on the show, she was like, just three, just three thoughts. Like, I know there's there's definitely way more that goes into starting a speaker business, but you did it. You truncated these things down into three big ones. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, here's one. Claim your area of expertise to have uh, great speaker assets. And, and for us, video is probably the- Brown routine. chicken, brown
2: cow. And
3: number three, mm-hmm. leverage your contacts and networks. And uh, man, honestly, it is such a thrill to not just have you on the show, but as I said at the beginning, just to have you uh, in my camp and and working side by side with me. Your team is amazing. I love all of the people that are in uh, your stable. We like to say the other nine uh, speaker friends. And uh, it's just been a pure joy. And for you to come on here and just share a a couple nuggets um, is just, uh, it's fun. It's fun for us. She's amazing. She is. Yep. Listen, we will
2: talk no. to you soon, somewhere.
3: Well,
0: it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You
2: got it, and everyone, everyone should probably go to check out MichelleJoyceSpeakers.com. Joyce right? Speakers.com. Oh, I, I should probably send. People why don't there, you send? Right? People? You love her so much. You want to keep her to yourself. What is going on? Yes, share, Jim. We just talked about being altruistic, and you're ready to kick her off the. You must go through me and I'll decide. That's right. right. Put in a request and we'll decide if we'll for it. I was all giddy and excited. I I forgot. You were. You about Love Fest. Michelle, where can people find you if they want to learn
3: a little bit more information about you and Michelle Joyce Speakers? Thank you. Uh,
0: Very easy. My website is my name, MichelleJoyce.com.
2: Perfect. MichelleJoyce.com. Love it. How did I do, Brand? Well, at least now people can find her. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. You got it.
2: Hey, rock stars! Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah. And listen, we know how busy you
3: are. And grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider
2: leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org.
3: Finally, if you're interested in having Grant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com.
2: Until next time, rock, rock out. on!
1: Ever heard of stoicism?